Once upon a time, there was a great human king who was truly beloved throughout the land. All who crossed his path were enthralled to him, for he brought peace and abundance to the people. As he grew from a young man and prospered, so too the kingdom grew and prospered. His dearest, the queen, by his side always, guiding him gently, a strength to his mind. But, truth be told, he was getting a tiny bit bored as he got older, for there was not so much for him to do in these times of plenty. He wouldn't have intentionally wished for it to be back to how it had been, back to the warring. Just sometimes he craved a little excitement, a crumb of adventure, something to make his heart stutter and his blood pump. And so with a slightly frustrated sigh, all carried on from day to day, just as it was his time growing ever closer to an end, for he had indeed done what he was set on the earth to achieve. When he was younger, he would often take long, meandering walks out into the forest, marvelling at the wonder and the rawness of the wildness that he could still feel there in those pockets of land. As an old man, he had not done this for quite some time. This was a very sad thing to see. The Queen could only watch all this, sense the slow change in him, feel how he hung on to the older ways of his life. He'd never known really of anything else other than being the strong, true arrow. There was a fear in him too now, a fear of this new way he didn't quite know how to sit comfortably with it. The Queen knew. She could see that like the moon, life changed and went in cycles. Still the old King clung. He was just not ready to let go of what he recognised. It made him agitated and snappy and the people around him who had once adored him began to whisper about their king, to comment on this meanness that was enveloping him. Did you see how that throne creaked as he sat on it? Uh, Marley has grown mighty in all the wrong ways. <laughs> this went on for some time, him getting bigger, his throne getting smaller, he became grumpier and closed in, pinched and miserly, for he was afraid, and this he could never admit to himself. The Queen consulted with her oracles, her blood looked into the waters of life. She realised the time had come. She encouraged her husband to go on his walk of the land once more, to get out of this stuffy, smoke-filled hall. Yes, fresh air would be very good for you right now, she said, as she tried to bundle him out. Why don't you take one of those strolls in the forest you used to love? Do you remember? The king sniffed and shuffled and coughed. 
spat the remains of some food that had been mm, stuck between his teeth, spat it into the hearth fire. He shrugged her off, dismissed her for nagging. He did vaguely remember a distant tinkling of a thing that glinted in his eye and made the Queen in turn feel a stab of the great love they had for each other. She knew it would return again in times as all things did. She stood in her strength as she watched him walk away. Goodbye, my love. Goodbye. It was somewhat of a surprise that he did indeed walk to the forest and after a while came across an overgrown path he didn't recall having seen before or couldn't quite remember. Yet there was a vague sense of recognition somehow, a certain familiarity to it, or when he stopped to think on it. He could feel the boy he had once been stir in him, that lad of light, the man of might he had grown into. It made him puff out his chest with pride, only to sink when he looked down at his big belly and wondered what had happened to him. How he'd come to be so mighty in all the wrong ways as was whispered of him. Oh, this made him feel sad. He sensed something else beneath that, uh, a way his heart stuttered once more and, oh, something else. But a frightenedness. This was a new thing to him. Nothing he had ever felt in all his life. Oh. His, oh, his palms were sweaty, and he didn't understand why. Oh, he didn't like it. He didn't like this feeling of nerves and oh, crumpledness. And what was it? And yet he carried on walking, for he noticed despite all of this, despite everything he was feeling. Oh, oh, oh God, oh, he was going to be sick. Oh, he felt it. Oh, oh, maybe that was it. Maybe the cook had made a dish that, oh, rancid meat, perhaps. He had to have a word when he got back to the castle. But he still kept walking forward. Still kept stepping, stepping through the brambles and, and unhooking the branches that tangled his hair. He needed to know, even if he was unsure of what. Something kept pushing him, him onwards through this forgotten path. There was a reason he had to keep walking along it. Despite feeling lost, despite feeling alone. His heart was beating too quickly as he kept on walking, one step in front of the other, staggering. He didn't see where the stream had overflown, didn't notice straight away when his feet got stuck in the depths of it, because that was when he heard it. He was not on his own. He lowered his raised foot carefully. He glimpsed again that sense of wonder and excitement he'd had as a boy that lived deep inside him. He held his breath. 
And then he saw it. He saw the deer, a white doe. And she saw him. She wasn't afraid as she stared at the king. And slowly she blinked. The king almost went to see if he had his bow and arrows or a sword, but his hand was stayed. No, no, not this one. So he stood still with his foot stuck in the mud, stood and stared at her. As she stared at him from eyes like deep pools of knowing, captured by heavy lashes, chewing on some leaves she had plucked from a nearby tree. Very carefully, not concerned that his boots stayed stuck in the mud, he took a step forward. Unsure if it was himself or her he didn't want to scare. Still she stood there looking at him. With each step closer he felt wearier each movement heavier and clumsy and difficult. <coughs> he yawned, suddenly feeling so very, very tired. But he could not take his eyes off the white doe. Maybe I'll just have a little sit down, he thought. And so he did. <gasps> Maybe I'll just have a little lie down, he thought. And so he did. <gasps> Maybe I'll just have a little close of my eye. And so he did. At that moment, back at the castle, the gold goblet slipped from the Queen's hand. That all too familiar sensation of being both sad and glad in her heart at the same time. She sat in the King's throne, stroked the velvet of his cloak that lay across the arm. There was a deep tenderness in her as her King slept in the forest. All the while the white doe moved closer to the king's prone form, lying there in the thick moss of the dense woodland. Something passed through him then, a sense of no longer being afraid. But there was a confusion within him despite this. For it was almost as if the white doe was singing to him, but she got closer and closer as she circled around him. Yes, he, he heard it again, but his limbs were too heavy to move and he, he stayed laying on the soft ground. <laughs> the sound reminded him of the lullabies he had heard as a baby. It made him think again to the acorn he had always carried with him, the one the old oak tree had given to his parents, 
the seed of his life. And he, he felt it then, there in the palm, as he carefully opened his hand. He had a desire to offer it up to the white doe for her song, and she in turn acknowledged this with a dip of her head. As she went, it, it seemed, no, it couldn't be. It was as if, no, it was, it, it, it was as if when she went to pick up this, this acorn, to take it from him, what, what had been a hoof? Looked almost like it had become a, a hand. For the king had tried so very hard to open his eyes, even for a fraction. Curious was he of the singing, and he had glimpsed it. But his eyelids were just too heavy. As they closed once more, it was as if he was seeing... Was he? But how so? How was her, her fur turning to bare flesh in some places and, and getting longer and longer in others? And her, her face? Her, her muzzle was becoming a nose. And her eyes... Her eyes were still those giant pools of knowing. And his eyes refused to open anymore. Oh, he was so, so tired. As the white doe became a woman, his breathing slowed. A woman with fingernails and toenails slightly too long and caked in dirt. A woman with hair as silver as the moon and skin the colour of sun-bleached bones. Somehow she managed to be both very old and very young, depending on how the light managed to catch her. A woman that carried all of creation in her belly and all of destruction on her back. A woman who clicked and clacked and whistled and chirruped and sang as she gestured around the king. Everything around them darkened and quietened as she continued in her anti-clockwise movement. The king's breathing got slower and slower and slower still. The forest continued to close in around them. The doe woman and the king. Denser and darker and heavier. Time became eternal in that moment between breaths that holds all of creation, everything was still. Except for the doe woman, as she said, sang over the king, sang into the king, sang the king back into being. 
<gasps> the king was first aware of his heart beating fast, very fast. He could hear it stand frantic, frantic, frantic thud, and the bow woman singing and the clacking of bones, his own bones. There was so much pain in them. Oh, they were, oh, they were different somehow. A stretching of them, a, a shifting of them, a, a tightening of them, a shrinking of them, a snapping of them. He felt giddy, dizzy, disorientated. He felt, and he felt constricted and bound. And it, it seemed now he could feel the song in his body rather than hear it. And his memories of who he was seemed like a dream to him. He, what was happening? What was going on? He, he knew nothing but the now of it. Was he? Oh, was he inside? Was he in a cave? He tried to touch the edges, touch the walls that felt like they were closing in around him. He was hemmed in too tight, in a space he didn't want to be, and everything was crowding around him, hurting and crushing, and he didn't like it. He didn't like this sensation at all. When he tried to open his eyes, there was such an intense pinpoint of light, and he had to screw them shut again. He didn't know where he was, but he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there. With a yell, he could not recognise as his own. He tore himself out, out into bright, harsh light, stumbling. Falling, the sounds were indistinguishable and they hurt his ears. The air was cold around his body and he was shivering. Every time, to, every time, every time he tried to stand, he crashed back to the floor. He couldn't get up. But then he felt something. Something coarse and wet that scraped the side of his face and it calmed him. Cautiously opened his eyes, slowly adjusting to the light, and found he was looking straight into those deep eyes. Eyes that were like deep pools of knowing. Eyes that were fringed with long, heavy lashes. Eyes that blinked at him. He blinked. The big eyes of the white doe blinked at him once again. He glimpsed a distorted reflection of himself and started to become more aware of his shape. Everything about him was different. His whole body seemed to be slicked in stickiness. He tried to stand again, but again his legs wouldn't hold him upright. And he felt the lick of a tongue across his, his cheek once more. He tried to form words with his mouth, but they came out as a strange kind of bleating. Was that me? He thought. Did I make that sound? Everything felt brand new. Exciting. He was determined he would stand up. Stand up on his foot. Four? Four legs! But with each new breath, he was forgetting what it had been like to have just two legs. Each time he tried, he was a little firmer on these four legs. The white doe nudged him, encouraged him, and he could feel the remnants of her song weaving around him as he tried again and again, steadier each time. The white doe never leaving his side. He shook himself. He noticed when he looked down at his chest there was a strange marking there. 
there and his fur. Fur? Yes, fur. He was covered in soft, yielding fur. And the shape, the marking, made him think of an acorn. But even these thoughts made no real sense to him anymore. Except there was an old oak tree up in front of him. A tree he had an urge to rub against, his head gingerly starting to butt and rub. And there was something there, jabbing, jutting under the surface of his skin. And he felt clumsy, but all right. Once there was a great stag king, but that is for another time.